Stephen, I have a problem. Uh, this is not problem of the day. It's a question of the day. I have a problem, but I'm going to ask you... Can't solve your problem. You can ask if you can phrase your problem in the form of a question, I'll address it. Well, first off, Stephen, you've been a friend for a long time. Not a question. You've helped me solve many problems in my life. Not a question. I'm making a statement. It's like a precursor to the question. And I find often when I have a problem, I ask my friends what... The answer should be to my problem. Maybe that's why so you have so I'm, many I'm getting problems. ready for a You're question. Asking your friends to solve them. That your could friends be. Friends are incompetent. I don't know about that. Some of my friends are much smarter than me. Case in point, and other friends are not as smart, but they're kind in other ways. So I, I ask accordingly. If I was going to ask, how can I be a kinder person? I certainly wouldn't ask you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to ask you this question. I find that I don't really have a good BS detector when I'm meeting hmm. new people, and. I think actually you do have a pretty good BS detector. Like I find I see you analyze other people and and you kind of make a quick judgment and it's usually correct. How do you think I can develop a better BS detector in my life? How do I know who's going to... And and that's a weird question. It's not like I'm asking who's good and who's bad, but who could be good for me or who could be bad for me, like a drain on me as opposed to give me energy and better my life. The first thing I do when meeting a new male member of our species is grab their testicles very hard and see how they respond. I find that is the best predictor of um, how reliable they are. Mine are really hard to find, so you might (laughs) have difficulty there. Um, Wow. I like your question a great, great deal, and I don't think I have anything fruitful to say about it, but I'm willing to talk it through out loud with you. Yeah, let's talk it out loud. Like when you meet a new person, like let's say— you meet someone and, um, I don't Sorry, know, you meet someone the criti- in the office. The you criteria meet- for success here is what? You're looking for a person who is, what, reliable, no, smart, what? I, I it, Very simple. Trustworthy. It, someone who is going to be better for me and my life for uh, positive reasons as opposed to someone who's going to be a drain on me and will ultimately take energy away from my life. We, we all, the idea is we only live one life, so we might as well spend as much time as possible with people who add to our life as opposed to people who subtract. So let's say you meet somebody in the publishing world who wants to, I don't know, work L- with you or spend time with you. Let me challenge your premise a little bit, even though I love the question, because the premise is built on a kind of degree of self-interest that I think is not necessarily healthy. Okay, in other words, you're really what you're really asking is how, when I meet someone new, can I tell if they're going to be good for me to exploit in some way, even if exploit sounds like too harsh a word? Exploit sounds like too harsh a word, but I won't disagree with the idea of that question because ultimately we act largely, let's say 90% out of self-interest, which also sounds like a strong word. I'm not saying only act selfishly. If someone needs your help, obviously, and they're your friend, obviously you help them, but Let's take an extreme example. You meet someone, and there's either an opportunity, they're the type of person who's going to rip you off, or they're the type of person who's going to help you with your career or mm-hmm. life or introduce you to good people. So I'm taking two extremes. A- and they have charisma, so it's hard to tell. Let me further challenge the premise by saying that you're the guy who's taught us all that the best way to receive is to give, right? Like you're all about like the the giving in That's order, true, right? but you don't want to. I'm, I'm just trying to square. You don't want to give to the point where you're drained I, from it. You I, have to. I, I hear you. You get resupply from 
from the people you're with and from your health and from your creativity. You get There's ways to dip into the ocean of resupplying your energy so you can okay. give more. And one of those ways is hanging around with people who are positive for you as opposed to people who are trying to exploit you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I promise I do hear you. But I still challenge the premise in a hopefully productive way. Okay. Because I think that... If, Always challenging. Are you? Are you even good for me? Am I, am I thinking this out loud, or to am I saying it out loud? <laughs> um, because I think that if your chief metric is even, even if you express it in a very kind of holistic and healthy way, like is this person's energy going to, you know, uh, play well with my energy? That is already constructing this dynamic that you're trying to fulfill that's a little bit more self-interested or exploitive than is useful necessarily. Okay, so subtract enough from that so that it doesn't seem exploitive. Right, okay. So I would change the... Uh, like, let's say I just want to hang out with somebody who's fun. Yeah. Will add to make me have a more fun life. I'll help occasionally when they need help. Yeah. And uh, they aren't going to try to steal money out of my bank account. Okay, so, let's, extreme. so, so <laughs> let's say that we define... Let's say that we change the metric slightly to what I would call trustworthy. Okay. Right? Because trustworthy, I think, is something that you right, want good. in anyone. You want it in a business partner. You want it in a in a friend. You want it in a potential family member. If and you're and maybe the same skill set yeah. uh, can be applied to other aspects exactly. of how you judge people. So, again, I'm no closer to answering that question than I was the other question. But I will tell you one thing that I think. So, there are a lot of little things which are cliches like, you know, if you are in a restaurant with people, how do they treat the waiter? You know, and those they're, they're those a, work. Actually. There are a million things like that that I find to be generally extremely helpful. Well, well right? first, first then, as the first guy, what are a few of those tricks that you do find useful? So, I think how they treat like a someone who, um, you know, is a is kind of serving them in some way is is an important indicator. Mm-hmm. I think a really good one is to see how people prioritize um, decisions. I was uh, it was interesting. I, I walked into an art gallery um, in Soho in New York uh, a couple weeks ago. It's a fairly well known gallery, and the owner of the gallery I knew him a little bit a long time ago through a friend of mine who was a painter who he represented. And I happened to walk by the gallery, and I walked in. And the owner was in there, and um, his assistant said, why don't you go ahead in and ask him about your friend to see if he still represents him. And I went and I said, excuse me, I know you're busy. I'm so-and-so. We met a million years ago. I'm sure you wouldn't remember, but my friend, da-da-da, I'm, I'm curious if you still represent him. And he couldn't have been nicer. And I happened to be with my 15-year-old son. We were just hanging out this afternoon. And I was thinking, as he couldn't have been nicer, giving me the answer to the question, which is inconsequential to this conversation, what I was thinking about is, oh, I'm so glad that my son is seeing how this guy, this gallery owner, pretty important guy, he's just treating this guy who walks in off the street with real respect and dignity, even though I was doing nothing for him, right? I thought, that's so cool. And then his phone rang, and he didn't even say, he didn't say, excuse me. He didn't say, sorry, I got to get this. He, he picked it up, and he just turned his back on me <laughs> in the middle of the conversation. I thought, okay, he was nice when he could afford to be nice. But the minute there was something more pressing, he didn't even bother to pretend to be nice to the stranger. But maybe he had some emergency come up. It wasn't an emergency. It was because I, I was standing there, and it was very awkward. He didn't say, would you leave now or excuse me? He just left us standing there. It was weird but in a very instructive way. So there are all these little indicators like that that are kind of no-brainers. You see, you know, 
people are always talking about when you see someone, a great thing to do with a new girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever is to travel with them. Because when you travel, there's a lot of stress. And the way people respond under stress is often very instructive on and on and on. There are all these indicators that I'm sure people can think about on their own. But the, the one thing that I try to look for, and I have to say, if you look for this in me, you would think I'm not someone that you probably want to hang around with very much. I look for how good people are at listening to you or other people talk. Because listening is often very selfless and very difficult and extremely useful for the talker to be really listened to. I feel like I can't interrupt now or else you're going to judge me. (laughs) It's just like I'm feeling insecure. James and I will have more to say about this in a minute. But first, we have to hear a quick word from our sponsor. Do not go away. Get out your passports, because you're about to cross the border into hard nation. I'm Mark Hard, a proud conservative. And I'm Pete Hard, a godless liberal. We're two brothers with different perspectives, but a passion for politics. And now we bring that passion to our show on Earwolf. Now, finally, there's a podcast that tells it like it is about what's really going on in this country. That's right. It's the election of the century, and we're the only ones willing to ask the real questions like, Hillary Clinton, what do you order at Chipotle? Or Ted Cruz, who would you cast in Ghostbusters? Check out Hard Nation today on Earwolf.com, Howl, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. Ooh, it's going to get hard in here. Get hard, people. But do you know what I mean? When you when you meet someone, whether it's professional, family, whatever, and you see that they, with their eyes and with their brain, that they are taking in what you say and they're processing it, And they may be thinking about how they're going to respond. And you know that they're going to actually, you know, treat what you're saying with um, some dignity and respect. I think that is, and there are a lot of cues for that. There are nonverbal cues. There are verbal cues. There are all kinds of things that you can look for. So I I would say if I had to pick one from the top of the list of how to build a BS detector, I would think that's a good start. So so, because there's two sort of byproducts of listening. One is... I'm just trying to figure this your answer out. So one is it shows a certain thoughtfulness that they're going to like kind of really listen closely. They have enough respect for you. They're going to listen closely to what you're saying. And that might be a good thing for you going forward in terms of building a relationship. Although with I them. hate when you say the good thing for you, but yes. All right. Well, just our, because, good thing for me. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Just because like, but it's okay. All right. All right. And then the other See, thing. See, I interrupted, but I am listening because like, Because it's a conversation. And I would argue that interruption is actually not a terrible thing. But maybe this is just because I interrupt. Because it means that you said something in the middle of a sentence that I feel strongly enough about that I really want to get involved with you. No, that's true. Like when I'm doing an interview, say, for my other podcast, if something strikes – I'm listening closely. And if something strikes me as curious, I don't want to let it go even a few seconds because I might forget. I'll interrupt right away just to answer. But the other byproduct of listening, which might be a good indicator of what kind of person they are, is that – a listener learns more. So you can't learn while you're talking. You can only learn while you're listening. So perhaps a good, uh, you want to be around people who are interested in learning and improving their lives, and you could tell this by how they listen to you. That's like the best test. I think that is a really good point that I would never in a million years have thought of, although once you say it, it it sounds obvious. And look, however selfish or unselfish one wants to be, yeah, I would argue that you want to be around people who are, you know, a lot of people say, I only spend time with people who are smarter than me. 
Honestly, I think the kind of people who say that, I never believe them. I think that's a thing that people say that is trying to inject a false self-deprecatory nature to a very um, ambitious kind of mindset. But let me ask you a question about this aspect. Where where does generosity come in? Like, how do you know someone, just because they listen to you, they might not necessarily be a generous person in their lives. Like, maybe they they treat other people horribly, or maybe they treat their employees horribly, or their family, or whatever. And they might listen to you because they're trying to be a con man and rip you off. So they're going to listen to everything about you and observe everything about <laughs> you. So how do you how do you find also uh, generosity that they're not trying to they're not trying to listen just to take advantage? It's a great question. Because um, again, I, I think you're good at it from a gut level, um, mm, and so, I wonder how you develop that. So I if think you don't I'm have probably it at the gut nowhere level. near as good as you think I am. I think what I am is you know let's say that the way that people screen other people for whatever trustworthiness we're calling it here can range from like a net that you'd use to catch a whale versus a net that you'd use to catch a minnow, right? I think I just use the minnow net. And I'm just like very, <laughs> like I don't really trust that many people much at all. Or I just don't really get that involved with that many people. I'm just kind of a, a so small that, town that could, boy. That, that simply be, could be because most people are not actually good people. <laughs> but I will tell you this, as an empirical believer, I think that most people are pretty good people most of the time. Honestly, I think the data most are the really time. clear on that. Yeah, that most people are really good most of the time. Not all people and not all the time. So, okay, so we have, again, I'm, this is the theme for me in this uh, recording session is to be prescriptive. Seriously, so, <laughs> what's up with the prescriptiveness I'm a, obsession? I'm a doctor on Twitter. So, <laughs> um, so what you're saying is basically, A, is someone a good listener, and there's various ways you could determine that, and B, watch how they are with others, watch how they prioritize uh, the people close around them and the people kind of in circles around them, and you kind of determine from that generosity. Now that you summarize my pablum in that way, it just sounds totally worthless. So <laughs> I think that, actually, I think my first idea of grabbing the testicles really hard might be more valuable. But What if it's a woman? Then you don't do that. Um, but I think that actually, okay, once you restated my argument, which sounded so worthless, I did actually think of one more idea which is be very direct and candid um, and say to the person, you seem like a pretty nice, potentially trustworthy and generous person, but in my experience, most people aren't that. So persuade me that you are. I think that could be good. Or the other thing is, following up on your thing, being as honest and authentic as possible, just not wearing the usual masks people wear when they meet each other. Mm -hmm. You can find out really quickly if a person is able to, is either respectful of you being authentic or kind of dismissive of you being authentic. So what do you mean? Like, say, like, I might seem like a nice and intelligent person, but I'm not that nice and I'm definitely not as intelligent as I seem. Or or just being like, look, uh, if you're going out there trying to make a sale, you could say, look, I failed at every other business like this, but I'm really trying hard to do well again. Uh, will you give me a chance? And seeing how they respond. I love how we're That's trying to— That's an example of authenticity. I love how we're trying to be fairly analytical and even a little empirical, et cetera, here. But I have a feeling that the truest answer to this question— is probably just asking people like, do you prefer vanilla or chocolate? I have a feeling you do just as well. You know what? Don't be such a dick. Don't forget to subscribe to Question of the Day on iTunes. While you're there, take a second to rate the show or write a review. And be sure to catch the next Question of the Day, which will go something like this. 
What do you think are the ingredients of improving at something to be great at it as an adult, whether it's business or music or languages or whatever? Do you think it's possible with most of those things? So short answer, yes. And I should say that I'm a big believer, not a 100% embracer of, but a big believer in the school of improvement that's best known as deliberate practice. 